a one, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to this week's Urgent Bite, brought to you by the Royal New Zealand College of Urgent Care. My name is Guy Melrose and today I've been thinking about subungual melanoma. My brain often goes on a circuitous journey as it stumbles upon a piece of CPD reflection and this week is no different. And as is often the case, a little bit of nostalgia started the process. To be coming to the end of 2023 and listening to a brand new song by the Beatles was not to be expected. Certainly not a song that included all members of the Fab Four contributing original work, given we lost John Lennon in 1980 and George Harrison in 2001. But the release the other week of Now and Then marked the final ever Beatles song. Using lyrics recorded on a tape by John in 1977, guitar work recorded by George in 1996 when working on the anthology, and then updated work from Paul and Ringo. The Secret Source has a Kiwi influence. Sir Peter Jackson's audio experts had developed sound technology that they used in making the Beatles documentary Get Back that enabled them to split sounds from single tracks. John Lennon's voice on the original tape had been too diluted by background noise and piano music that when making the anthology in the 90s, audio engineers could not get a clean enough sound. But Peter Jackson and his audio wizards in Wellington were able to extract the voice, and with that the impetus to put out one last Beatles song was found. I've always had a fondness for Beatles music, and while I would not call myself a super fan... Having spent four years of my university life looking out of my bedroom window onto Penny Lane, and having wandered around parts of Liverpool steeped in Beatles history, they do create a certain nostalgic twinge for me. But one reason this new song is all the more poignant is the fact that it defies the untimely murder of John Lennon and the natural passing of George Harrison to reunite the original quartet one more time. And it was while listening to this track that I thought of all the other music greats lost too soon and how their legacy lives on in their songs while we all know that there will never be any new songs forthcoming. Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Jimi Hendrix, Buddy Holly, the list goes on and on. While contemplating this, I got to thinking about Bob Marley. Marley's music was a staple of our school common room, so much so that when a song comes on the radio, I'm instantly transported back there. But he was lost early, at the age of 36. In considering the artists lost too soon, a common theme is either an accident, like Buddy Holly, overindulgence, or related to mental health. Often candles that burned bright and fast leaving an indelible mark and exiting stage right before overstaying their welcome. But as I thought about this, I remembered that this was not the case for Marley. 
I had a vague memory from talk amongst friends back at school that he had died as a result of kicking a football. Well, with that distant memory resurfacing, my inquiring CPD brain started to turn. And it turns out that Bob Marley died of metastatic subungual acral lentiginous melanoma of the great toe. There were rumours that this was caused by an injury sustained playing football earlier that year, but these are often considered to be urban myths. However, in looking further into this topic, I can see the origins of this belief, and so I have a couple of important urgent care take-home points that have come out of my reading around this topic. Now, my reference for this is a superb page on Dermnet, by Nicole Seebacher, and I would encourage you all to have a read through this page for full details. It's linked in the show notes. Melanoma of the nail unit often affects either the thumb or the great toe, 75 to 90 percent of cases, in fact. While it's quite rare, it is the cause of up to 3.5 percent of malignant melanomas in white-skinned people but up to 75% of malignant melanomas in dark-skinned and Asian people. There does not seem to be a connection to sun exposure, rather there being some other cause of melanocyte activation within the nail matrix. Skin monitoring for melanoma and other skin cancers is not something we do routinely in urgent care due to the one-off interaction we have with our patients. Certainly dermoscopy by their regular GP or dermatologist, or a skin screening and photography service coupled with personal surveillance by the patient is the best way to monitor for and act on changes. However, patients do ask for our opinions on moles, and we may also notice something suspicious as part of our other examinations, so the urgent care clinician must maintain an awareness of melanoma. So subungual melanoma starts as a band of pigment under the nail, running the length of the nail. It will then widen, become more irregular, and progress from there. One of the differentials is a subungual hematoma, something we see quite often in urgent care. So this means we need to have an awareness. But according to Dermnet, there may be a connection to trauma, given the increased prevalence in the great toe and thumb. There is something called Hutchinson's sign that can be seen on dermoscopy, but not on clinical exam, that is also suggestive of melanoma. And if the trauma history is not recent, have an increased caution, and at the minimum, arrange good follow-up review. If the patient is older, or there is a personal or family history, then we should also be more alert. And finally, in patients with darker skin, we need to have an increased caution. I mentioned the statistic earlier, and in reading around Bob Marley's case, there is the opinion that his melanoma should have been detected earlier. Certainly, it could also have been that the possible trauma at football got blamed as the cause of the nail change, thereby also delaying diagnosis. Either way, increased awareness and earlier detection could have made the difference in his outcome, perhaps. I think nail unit melanoma is something that you might encounter in urgent care, 
either as a primary presenting query from the patient, or as a whilst I'm here question, or perhaps an incidental finding you note during the exam. Being alert to the linear pigmented subungual streak is important, not blaming trauma if the changes persist, or perhaps have some of the features mentioned on the DermNet page, and in Asian patients and patients with darker skin being additionally cautious are all ways we can help the patient journey to a speedier diagnosis. Utilising whatever services you have, whether that's teledermatology or a rapid access referral path, and acknowledging that we are not experts in this particular area means making referrals when we have suspicion and not when we're always absolutely certain. Do check out the Dermnet page. It's a great review, an easy read and contains good photos. You should have a close look at the photos and then at the subungual hematoma photos on the relevant page to really highlight the differences we need to be looking out for. The pages are linked in the show notes. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions or corrections, email podcast at rnzcuc.org.nz. And we'll be back again next week with another podcast. I look forward to seeing you all then. But for now, thanks for listening.